0: like i don't think that we as society can like we're we're getting farther and farther away from you know healthy dialogue around things that are important to us that we disagree on and it's it's pretty tough
1: this is the humans of gaming podcast an open and honest conversation about games life and belief
2: Humans of Gaming. I'm Drew Dixon. I'm one of the co-hosts of this podcast. That's why I'm talking to you right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is Humans of Gaming and I am the chief content nerd at Loveline Nerd, which kind of basically just means I oversight, oversee our website content at lovelinerd.com. Mm-hmm. I'm joined as always by Chris Waltney. Hey, Chris.
1: Hi. Hi. I'm Chris. Welcome back from our summer break. Um, I am the chief executive nerd. I'm one of the founders, as is Drew, and host of Humans of Gaming, where we get to have all kinds of people from the games industry, whether video games or board games, content creators, designers, marketers, doctors, all kinds of people on here. And what we get to do, which is really our pleasure to do, and it's, I think, pretty cool, is hear about who they are as people. You know, it's very easy for us as consumers, as gamers, to, especially nowadays, because the market is flooded. I mean, you could play a new video game every day and never run out of video games. Board games are starting to get that way. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: what that creates in us is, honestly, a sense of entitlement, a sense of, like, one and done, you know? And I think, unfortunately, it's led us to dehumanize the people that make the games that we love and so we started this podcast to try to shine light on these people and their hopes and desires and fears and struggles and and everything else so that's what this podcast is all about you get to hear uh, from real people uh, about the the things that make them who they are the real people behind the real (laughs) games that you really love that's our new tagline
2: that's our new tagline I just made it up it's pretty good I love it um (laughs) So this week we had on Mondo Davis, who's a mm-hmm. guy that we met at Origins a few years ago. Uh, Origins is a big tabletop board game trade show in Columbus, Columbus. Ohio. I had to think about it, Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Since then, he's been really busy. He's got four games
1: under contract uh, that are going to be published. Yeah. So we just randomly met this dude. Like we didn't. Yeah. This wasn't like a uh, you know we set up some appointment and he like wanted to pitch us a game or- like we literally. We just sat down at a, a table lot. with him, People, uh, with kidding. another with another guy um, to like play test somebody's prototype. Uh, it was that Seven That's Bridges right. game, yeah. right? We played that yeah. Seven Bridges mm-hmm. game of Königsberg together when it was a prototype. It's out now. Um, and then after that, Mondo was like, "Hey, I've got a prototype. If you guys want to try it, um, and we talk about that in this show. Uh, this game called yeah. Color Field,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: Then we ended up hanging out with
2: him basically like the rest of the the weekend. Yeah, like he
1: came out and had had a meal with us. And I think we played some other games and stuff together.
2: Yeah. Yeah, super, super chill, really cool guy. And um, yeah, I think this is a cool episode for me, I think, because there's so many people trying to get their first game out. And so, it's just neat to hear from somebody who's in that process. None of his games are out yet, but he's like pretty successful in a way too like he's mm. sort of in that in-between space of like four games coming out which is the a dream come true for most board game designers yeah um but at the same time none of them are out yet and yeah he's also just making some really fun like unique mansplaining like that's a game that he's <laughs> got coming out that's a party yeah. game uh, that is about that topic of mansplaining that just sounds mm. like a blast um so uh yeah, makes really accessible games. I think people enjoy hearing his perspective.
1: I didn't say this during the show, but I have to wonder if part of his success in getting some of these games signed is because of the type of games they are, that they are very, mm-hmm. they're more light, accessible. They're going to hit a broader audience, which, you yeah. know, when you're pitching to a publisher, like they're they're looking for money. And so if their game's yep. going to hit the, the biggest market, that's going to make more money. You know, versus like, hey, I've got this really deep strategy game that's between two to six hours long and it only plays three and a half mm-hmm. players and, you know, like all these kind of niche things that think yeah. are much harder to pitch. So I have to wonder if that's part of his success. And I think he's just made cool stuff, you know, not to diminish yeah, the, what he's done.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you have to you know, the you, you have to hit the right market to if your game is not a party game for it to make money it's got a lot of things have to kind of come together like with like it like they did with a game like wingspan or something but anyway that's a whole nother topic but uh but yeah you get to hear us talk about mondo his story his games and then also uh we kind of rant a bit at the end about parenting um (laughs) so that should be fun for you too if you're a parent you'll at least identify a little bit enjoy the show i hope you enjoy this conversation thanks for being here Hey Mondo, how's it going man? Doing great, how are y'all? Doing good, how's life in uh, the great state of Georgia? Uh, it is
0: hot and humid,
2: uh, but otherwise pretty pretty good. And you're in the Atlanta area, is that right? Yeah,
0: yeah, my family and I live outside of Atlanta, one of the kind of bordering neighborhoods called Clarkston. Yeah. Hmm. Do you guys do Dragon Con?
1: who's been um, to dragon con
0: uh we have been to the parade of Dragon con that's always kind of a, a big event Dude, um, that is bonkers man, it is that parade it is actually we we haven't gone the last few years because it's been so crowded that um mm-hmm. it's felt kind of kind of claustrophobic so we used to go every year Explain Dragon con to
2: the uninitiated Oof. i don't I don't completely <laughs> How understand
1: How could
0: words describe <laughs> I mean Dragon Con is is essentially um you know a sci-fi fantasy convention that covers like a lo- a wide range of of you know, brands and things and it's I mean I've never been to Comic-Con but it feels kind of like it's it's a it's a version of Comic-Con that's a little bit not quite yeah, as big sure. or as um I <clears> to <throat> say commercial without sounding pretentious but uh it's it's just a huge sci-fi fantasy convention in downtown Atlanta.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then on the, is it the last day or I don't know, one of the days they do this cosplay parade out in the streets of downtown Atlanta. Yeah. And it literally shuts down like downtown Atlanta because there's just tens of thousands of people on the street. Like you can't, (laughs) you can't even like think of the, uh, what is it like the Disneyland at the end of the night or whatever they do that parade. And it's like, you got to get there super early to get seats. Like, it's that times 10.
2: Yeah. But way nerdy, nerdier. Very nerdy.
1: Oh, yeah. Cooler. Way
0: yeah. cooler, in my opinion. Oh, no, yeah. It's great. Uh, it's a bunch of stormtroopers walking around downtown Atlanta. It's pretty It's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. And it's, that you know. They're not
2: paid by Disney. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. All, well, it's, and it's always
1: it's always Labor Day weekend. So, it's still like, you know, 95 degrees with 100% humidity.
2: now, and, probably...
3: People are full cosplay. Disney's
2: probably going to shut that down now that they've heard this pod. They'll hear this podcast and they'll be like, hey, you're not licensed to wear those
0: Stormtrooper (laughs) 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 helmets. It's true. But Uh, one thing that was always cool about it was, you know, like I said, I went every year for a few years up until probably four or five years ago. But there's so many people that were there that like made their own costumes. Um it mm-hmm. uh, was oh, yeah. just like, totally sold out for, you know, Halo or Star Trek or whatever it was. So it was really cool to be in an um, environment where, like, people who had these, at the time, very kind of niche, nerdy uh, passions mm-hmm. were able to, like, really celebrate with each other and really be celebrated. Like, it was, it was a yeah. fun environment for that because it was like, you know, there's high school kids that probably oh, yeah. are, you know, bullied for this kind of thing at home mm-hmm. but here they are like just celebrities because they have this really cool costume that they made themselves that looks really great or whatever so that was always yep. fun,
1: to, fun to do for that's me the best, that's the best part of convention culture mm. in my opinion yeah. is just that overall air of acceptance yeah. because like you said generally speaking this isn't always the case and I think as time goes on it's, it's not as uncool to be nerdy because right. thanks Marvel movies <laughs> but like <laughs> yeah I think for people that are normally like not accepted in their like real life or normal life or whatever, everybody's just cool at conventions, yeah. you know, like there's just not that person yeah. that's going to make fun of you because you're dressed up like, you know, anime character, insert anime character here. Yeah, for sure. Um I love that. Yep. And those people can really find each other. The other thing. There, it's cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. The other thing I've noticed about Georgia recently, you've probably noticed this too, I don't know, but um like it seems like every show I've watched recently you, if you watch the credits to the end, it's like made in Georgia, uh, <laughs> filmed in Georgia. Yeah. I didn't realize that your state was... Uh it's like such a big deal for so many uh, shows and stuff like nerdy shows. That's pretty, pretty much all I want. Yeah.
0: Well, it's true. I, I will say I'm not, so I'm from St. Louis. I, I live in Georgia. Um, so I don't claim Georgia as home, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it, is, it <laughs> yeah, is true. Give us some time. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> but it is true. Yeah. I, I know for a while the state of Georgia offered a lot of tax incentive for um, studios to, to film here. So the industry's really taken mm-hmm. off. We got a lot of friends down here that work in, in the film uh, and TV industry. So it's, it's been a big, a big deal for us down here. Yeah, it's been cool. That's
2: cool. Well, we didn't have you on because of your expertise on uh, Georgia or <laughs> uh, film, <laughs> but you're a board game designer. Tell us about like your work in the world of board games.
0: Yeah, so um, I've been designing games uh, for, what, five years, I think. I have currently have four titles that are signed and due out for publication within the next year, um, with a fifth maybe happening later this week, uh, but no news on that. Yet. Which is crazy. Like... Like so many people
2: work so hard to get into this industry and design games and stuff. Like we, we, I feel like Chris and I bump into a lot of people they are doing what you do. um, And they're just like praying and hoping for one game (laughs) (laughs) to get signed. Uh, So yeah, tell us about like, how did you, how did you land where you are now where you've got four games uh, that are signed and and actually going to be published? Like that's really cool.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's been a journey. I, I first, the first game I designed, um, came out of, came from a place where, you know, I, I was not a gamer. I was not really aware of the hobby board game industry at all. Um, or the, the culture community of it, but I had an, I had, there was a computer game called escape velocity, which was an, an old game on a, like I played on OS nine back when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a space pickup. That's a
2: dinosaur. OS 9. Yeah, yeah it, it, it
0: goes way back. That was ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> but it's this little space uh, pickup and deliver flash game. And it, I guess it wasn't flash back then. I don't, I'm not sure. But anyway, it was um, something that you couldn't play anymore. You couldn't find it. So I was kind of bummed yep. out about mm-hmm. that and was thinking, like, I wish somebody would make a board game that, you know, captured those same kind of feelings and, and emotions. Uh, and then thought, what the heck, I might as well give it a shot myself and, and started the journey there. Um, and it was, you know, it was miserable. I had no idea what I was doing. It was really bad. Uh, I played it with friends and family who had weren't, weren't gamers. So they were so impressed that I had made a board game, you know. And so their feedback was like really <laughs> yeah. positive. Um, and you're like, oh, man, I'm good <laughs> yeah, at this. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I thought. And to the point
2: where I started doing research. About, friends and family will lie to you, won't they, oh, about goodness. stuff <laughs> yes. like that.
0: Well, it's funny because, no, like, they honestly loved it. Or they like, might not have been like, that's yeah, the yeah. Thing. And, and that's something I tell a lot of new designers when I talk to them is, like, you got to get this game in front of people that know what they're talking about um, mm-hmm. so you can get feedback that is actually going to be helpful as opposed to just, you know, the overwhelming positivity that made me think I had the next Catan on my hands, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I, I didn't, obviously. but. <laughs> But yeah. Yeah, I, I pitched I actually pitched that game to a couple publishers and they were really kind but you know told me that it wasn't any good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and thankfully I was able to kind of take that to heart. It was and like, do you remember like who
2: the first publisher you pitched it to us?
0: Yeah well so I, I, I had a. I actually traveled to two different conventions with my game um, to meet with Mayfair and Rio Grande. Okay. So those mm-hmm. two, publishers oh, so it.
1: you just went for the yeah. smaller like just, you know yeah. <laughs> little little guys just you just start for, yeah. you started at the bottom right
0: well it's funny because i you know I, I didn't know any better like i i yeah yeah i
1: just like literally hey, man, shoot for the moon and you'll get the stars right brother.
2: did they really say like i'm sorry but this just isn't good. no
0: i mean they were they were very kind about it like those folks see so many pitches and a lot of them are really oh, bad yeah. so they they've definitely i feel like that's, that's not
2: unkind tough. though that's part of why i asked like
0: you know, I think we there's this like American culture
2: around like being really nice about everything all the time, mm-hmm. but it's actually not nice to be like, to not be clear. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like, I think when you, I imagine when you're, when you are a board game designer, like, like you are, and you do this day in, day out, like real direct, honest feedback that doesn't beat around the bush is pretty important to you, I would guess. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know,
0: it's my favorite thing in the world. Um, yeah. and these, and you know,
2: I have time, I have a hard time giving that kind of advice uh-huh. myself, but I see it's value. Oh, hang
0: out with some designers. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's really true. I mean, I, the feedback that I got from publishers was very direct in that, like, we don't want this game, but it wasn't yeah. like, Hey, you're, you have no idea what you're doing and you should yeah, probably You're a
1: garbage up, person right? and your game's garbage and throw yourself in the trash. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Which at that point as a designer, I mean, I was, I was so inexperienced and so, you know, uh, you know, just had no idea what I was doing. So I, like, that was the type of feedback I probably should have gotten. So so to, ha- to be let off easy was really helpful. But but yeah, no, that kind of feedback is, is so critical. Like I, I thrive off of someone really telling me what they think about my game design and, and telling me everything that's wrong with it. Because, you know, that's how that's how it gets better is, is really looking at that yeah. feedback and, and making decisions based off of it for sure.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, was this before, because we met you at Origins, Mm -hmm. and that was 2019, so a couple years ago, right? Was this before that, or was that the same convention? Yeah,
0: so this was was several years before that, and actually, the game, I think... Drew, did you play colorfield I think I think I played with you and we yeah. all did oh, yeah yeah TV. we all did so that mm-hmm. was kind of the that so. was the first game I signed um I signed that with 25th century games shortly so
2: after so we can
1: always look back and we say look we knew this guy when he was small time <laughs> I'm, I'm still small time. You know. I mean I,
2: I feel like probably when we when we uh, play tested it, that was kind of, that was probably the break. No, that was, yeah, that was for
1: that game. Oh, that like, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> yeah. the moment. That's what <laughs> yeah. shot him into the stratosphere was us playtesting Yeah, testing yeah it. I was on
0: a whole nother level going forward from that playtest. So mm-hmm. appreciate you guys for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. No, but so Colorfield, which, um, like I said, is signed with 25th century games, uh, hopefully hitting Kickstarter here pretty soon, is um, that was kind of the first time that I made a game that I, th- that I, let's see, how should I say that? Uh, I went through a, a process of learning how to design games, right, and, and and got to a point where I was able to really focus on designing innovative and interesting mechanics um, and not focusing on, like, I want to make a game about Star Wars or I want to make mm. a game about whatever, mm-hmm. which is a perfectly valid. So
1: starting approach. with mechanics versus starting with, like, theme. Yes,
0: which, I mean, yeah. designing from theme is a perfectly valid approach, and it's something that I do still, you know but Colorfield was kind of the first game where I just sat down with like a blank piece of paper um, or blank note cards and like said, okay, what can I do with these that it make is interesting and then built the game around it. So um, Colorfield was definitely like a big breakthrough. Yeah. For in my design process. Um,
1: and, just, and what's the elevator pitch for Colorfield? Yeah. So Colorfield's is a
0: tile game where players are making a painting. So they have uh, two inch tiles, two by two tiles, uh, and they have a grid of, of, six of them in front of them and each of the tiles has different paint colors on the different sides so you're trying to uh you're drafting tiles and placing them replacing tiles that are on your your canvas to make this painting and trying to match up the colors uh, on the sides of the tiles so it's played over three rounds and there's kind of different scoring uh things that are factored in that's sort of the basic basic idea
1: and i may be misremembering this but i rarely misremember things (laughs) as drew can attest (laughs) But uh, I'm terrible at tile laying games. I do not have like whatever that thing people have in their brain for that. I just don't have it, like spatial awareness or something. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure I won that game that we played.
2: I w- its weird because I Cause have I remember the- being
1: shocked. Like, why did I win? Because I'm bad at this. So you guys must be worse. Yeah, my
2: memory is that I won the game, but you know, <laughs> agree to disagree.
0: I think it was a two-way tie between you guys both. I think that's.
1: What oh, I got. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, it was yeah. really cool though, man. I don't know if it's changed much since we played it or if you remember, but um, I think at that time, did, wasn't your wife involved? Like, didn't she do the art? Yeah. On it? Yeah. Which is really exciting that, um, Is that still the case?
0: Yeah. So uh, Chad, who <clears throat> owns 25th Century Games, actually per- licensed the art with the game. So uh, oh, my wife's so cool. artwork is going to be on the final version, which we're really excited about. It was a, yeah, it was a fun, it was a fun project. One of the reasons I chose the theme that I did when I was making it was because I wanted to, I wanted to have like a project that I could work with my wife on, um, and she, she's an artist. She's a, she owns an art, a paint watercolor business down here in Atlanta. So we were able to work on that together.
2: Some major fun.
1: husband points right there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: That would have been awkward if your publisher was like, "We really like this, yeah. but uh, we want to go a different direction with the art," yeah, and definitely. then you have to go to your wife. That would have been it,
0: like, yeah. But honestly, the I think the artwork is what made it stand out because a lot of you know prototypes yeah, are I agree. just you know clip art or un, un, mm-hmm. underdeveloped artwork. So having something that looked professional and was was pretty yep. to look at really helped.
1: That's got to be a selling point for publishers, too, because if they like the art, they're thinking – because they're thinking dollars and cents, yeah, right? Of they're thinking, oh, cool, we don't need to pay an artist. Right, yeah. They got it, you know?
0: Yeah, which is the case. Yep. I mean, I, I think it's rare for a designer to come to a publisher with finished artwork that looks like what the publisher wants to put out there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that happens much, but we, we just kind of lucked, lucked out, I think, finding chat. Yeah.
2: So, how did that, like, evolve into you now having – Three more games that are uh, that are coming out.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that so signing Colorfield not only you know I got the game signed, but I also started to build relationships with people um, in the game industry that I didn't really have before. Um, so through chat, I met Andrew Smith, who runs um, Gold Seal Games, who signed another one of my games, and then through that kind of playtesting group of you know Atlanta designers. I met Fortessa Elise, who I co-designed Mansplaining with, which was signed by Breaking Games, and then um, ended up signing another game called Sorrento that was a with a weird giraffe. And Carla, who runs Weird Giraffe, knew me through Fortessa, so it was like kind of this network of people. So uh, I mean, I think my my game design process was. You know, definitely helped by the fact that i was being able to connect with uh a lot of different people that um mm. you know were in the games world and and wanted to make some cool stuff so
2: yeah so tell us uh, a little bit about those games i guess a quick elevator pitch on each of them sure. i think would be interesting to hear
0: okay so into the woods is the game i signed with gold steel games it's a pretty simple card laying game um where you're trading out cards to try and make a well, he he's going to retheme it. So, uh, but the original theme was that you were finding like sticks or rocks or bones or things as you're like your kid walking through the forest and you're like trying to mm. carry him home to, to have this to make this cool collection. Um, so yeah, I, I probably shouldn't go too, into too much detail about it because it has it is going to change a lot once we start working on it. But yeah, yeah. card laying game pretty simple. <laughs> um, cool mansplaining, which is a lot further along, is. Um, it's a party game where players are mansplaining topics to their audience. <laughs> um,
1: so they have a topic. I already like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> What's ma- will you mansplain mansplaining um, to me? Yes, absolutely. Here I go. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah,
0: so you, everybody has you get a topic that's like um, how to mow the lawn or how to do dishes or how to tie your shoes or something. And you have a minute to mansplain that topic, but then you also have four detail words. So these are unrelated words, usually words that are a little more obscure, like um, chivalry or uh, connectivity or something, right? So you're trying to mansplain like how to mow the lawn, but you're trying to sneak in these de- detail words without them being detected. So everybody's oh,
2: mm. <laughs> yeah.
0: that's great. So everybody's listening to your yeah. your mansplanation, and they write down their guesses about <clears> what your topic was and what your um, detail words were, and then you get points for correct guesses and for using things. and So that one's really fun. Um, and we've actually got a lot of, it's, it's got a lot of momentum right now where we're kind of bringing on different content creators to, um, to help us promote it. So that's been been a really fun process.
1: That's cool. Oh, I think that'll be huge, man, like games like that. So I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but like what I'm hearing from kind of a theme for you and your design is like simple, accessible, maybe even casual game, like games that are going to hit a much wider audience than the games that, you know, I'm playing, which is like, you know, Twilight Imperium <laughs> or like these hardcore <laughs> strategy games that like, you know, that's hitting a, a much smaller thing. Like, is that fair to say for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I love board
0: <laughs> games as a medium for, um, like for community to develop, um, and for, right. uh, shared experiences to be created. Um, I, I, that's where my focus on design is creating games that are going to um, bring people together <laughs> in a way, you know, mm-hmm. where there's not a lot of like barriers of entry. There's, there's not, um, you know, you don't have to learn new skill sets or new concepts to be able to sort of jump into the games that I make. Um, so that's always been a focus of mine while still, you know, trying to maintain some strategic depth and, and, and make something interesting. But yeah, I'd say mm-hmm. that's a pretty fair assessment for sure. Cool.
2: What's your favorite
0: uh, card in
2: mansplaining? What your favorite <laughs> thing that pe- that people have to mansplain? <laughs> uh,
0: that's tough. Um,
2: or maybe just like one or two that you guys came up with that were that you and your team because it wasn't just you who who designed it with you again for Tessa
0: Elise. Um, so okay. she's a designer from. So yeah, uh, she's from Atlanta, but she lives in Seattle right now. Okay,
2: yeah, um, one or two that you or 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 she came up with.
0: Uh, that you're proud of. <laughs> yeah, I well, know uh, I think for her um uh f- so f- I think for for Tessa one thing that one card that she um put in there was the word sh- charcuterie which oh my <laughs> gosh, yeah. man. I didn't know what that word was until she put it in there and ended up learning about Dude, it. Dude, no one
1: that mansplains, like men in real life that mansplain even know what that right. word is, let alone how to say right. it.
0: Which is why it's so funny cuz that comes up every time. People are like have to look charcuterie. It up. <laughs> it's like just a board of meats and cheeses, right? right? Yeah, yep. it's a board of meats and cheeses.
1: Um, and that's I don't know we'll why
2: we it. have to call that charcuterie, but well, it's like French, French or, or something, French. I don't
1: oh. know. I know it sounds pretentious enough to be French, yeah.
0: <laughs> shark shark, <shark-tutery>. shark <laughs> Just imagine trying to explain uh, how, to, how to mow the lawn and work in the word charcuterie, work in shark. <laughs>
1: yeah uh, i love that man i think i want to play this game. with that yep. yeah actually i i it's I, like um, those those kinds of games man like that's that's a game you could see in target or barnes and noble like these kind of big retail things because like dude any of those sort of like hot button culture sort of words topics whatever like you see games like that all the time so yeah. i think that would be Super cool. I well, hope
0: so. I mean, we breaking games is really going out all in on it, which we've been really excited about. I mean, they're hiring, you know, comedy writers and, um, and, uh, Oh, nice. animators to like do shorts and stuff so we're really excited about kind of the potential that that has to take off but yeah we'll see how yeah that that's cool is
1: there a timeline for it like release is it going to do kickstarter or straight to retail uh,
0: hopefully it will be coming in uh, early 2022 so next next year okay. january february um i don't think there will be a kickstarter it should be straight to retail but uh mm-hmm. yeah updates will be forthcoming from breaking games if um anybody wants to wants to follow up on it that's cool. Yeah.
2: I love those kind of games. If I'm honest, like, I think I'm probably I lean closer to Chris where I'm like, if you ask me what kind of games I like, I'm going to say like, my favorite game is Scythe or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but man, like the, like a game like Mansplaining is definitely the kind of game that gives you a really memorable experience that you can have with friends yeah. That you actually like you... have fun playing
0: it. No one has fun yeah. playing Scythe. <laughs> but like
2: you <laughs> have fun kind of playing. Fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: Uh, yeah, and I, I, I um, love heavy strategy games as well. Um, but my you know, my most memorable moments in gaming are always games that are I mean, even like Sagrada or Azul or that kind of level of cause because you, mm-hmm. you play with people who kind of get to the experience the, the fun of board gaming for maybe for the first time or mm-hmm. without being as familiar with it and that's always a fun experience to kind of welcome somebody into this world that that is so vast and
1: interesting yep yeah for sure i think those are games also like the lighter the game the easier it is to to um at least for me to actually have like conversations with people at the table because for me like playing a game yeah. like scythe or like these really heavy strategy games like all of my brain power is spent trying to obliterate the opponents at the table. Yeah, <laughs> Like I don't have any extra space up there to like ask them their dog's name or <laughs> like who they are as a person. Yeah. Um. So like, yeah. you know, playing, you know, color, like I remember with like color. That's because you're ruthless, or, Chris. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a You only care about winning. That's why. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, it's my sin. I'm dealing with it. You know? Um, but that's what I like about those kind of games is like, you can actually look up from the table and yeah. engage mm-hmm. more For sure. people around it.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. That's that's the kind of game I want to make. So, yeah. So there's one we haven't gone over yet. Sorrento, is that right? Yeah, Sorrento. Um, so Sorrento is, uh, it's also a drafting game. It's your builders in the town of Sorrento in, in Italy on the Italian coast. So if you aren't familiar, um, you know, you see pictures of like all the colored, different colored houses that are like built into the mountains, right, you know, above the, the beach. Um, mm-hmm. You're basically, you're, you're drafting houses and, and stacking houses, these little wooden meeple, house meeples in a pyramid formation, actually vertically stacking them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then you um, score each pyramid based on a certain set of parameters, like, you know, repeated colors or pairs or, or you know. I think eight different scoring um, mechanisms in the game, but it's mm-hmm. kind of the idea of it. So,
1: so it's not card drafting. It's like it's drafting. Yeah. <laughs> house. drafting. House <laughs> drafting. Yeah. But not like house drafting. Like you're building a house. Like you're not, uh, you're not an architect. Well, yeah,
0: you're, you're of. building multiple houses is kind of the thematic idea, but
1: yeah. And that one's out or that one's coming out.
0: No, that one um, is signed under contract with uh, weird giraffe is the publisher Mm -hmm. um and that's a few games in down their pipeline so it'll probably be next year as well
1: the 2022 yeah, 2022 is going to be the year
0: yeah it's funny because i've you know i signed my first game in 2019 and i still have nothing that's in stores you know (laughs) so it's like (laughs) people ask me where can i buy your games i'm like well in the future yeah but yeah a lot of promises yeah yeah
2: yeah we'll see no that's exciting man um sounds like it's going to be a big year for you and congrats on having four games coming out that's yeah that's got to be pretty uh that's like a dream come true really <laughs> um I, for a lot of designers i imagine you probably feel that way
0: yeah it's, it's it's been a fun journey i mean i'm definitely grateful for kind of the connections i've been able to make and i think it's it's been a, it's a lot of work so um, and I know a lot of folks do as much work or more as, as I've done and and are still waiting for that first contract
3: so I'm definitely
0: very very grateful for yeah for the opportunity.
1: a dream come true, you're still grinding. Like you're, you still have a day job. Yeah. You're a teacher. Yeah. What do you teach? Uh, I teach English as a second language uh, at a high school here in Atlanta. How
0: long have you been doing that? Um, this is my, well, I've, I've been in, in an ESL teacher for the better part of 10 years, but, um, I've been at this, this school for the last five. Okay. Cool. Yeah.
2: It's, and you teach, uh, mostly like Spanish speaking students or, or who, who do you teach? Yeah. We've got a pretty good, all different,
0: yeah, our student body is pretty, uh, pretty diverse. Uh, we do have, I, I don't know if it's a majority of Spanish-speaking students, but we do have a good number of, of Spanish-speaking students. There's also a lot of Indian um, families in our in our district, so we mm. end, end up with uh, several students from India. And we have also kind of bordering some um, refugee relocation centers. So over oh, wow. the years, not the last few years, but <laughs> when I first started uh, and hopefully picking up here, we've, we've had a lot of refugee students just from, you know, from all over Burma and the Congo and um, Syria and places cool. like that. So it's been fun to, to teach such a diverse group of students.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. And you said you grew up in St. Louis, yeah. is that yeah, right?
0: St. Louis Okay. did.
2: What was that? What was, uh, what was life like growing up? Young Mondo yeah. in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. In the actual Midwest. <laughs> There's probably not that many people named Mondo in the Midwest. Uh, true. That's or probably
0: just pretty anywhere unique. in general. True. So <laughs> my, since you mentioned it, so my full name is Romando. Um, and I'm the seventh Romando Davis in my family over the last Ooh, 12 wee. generations or something. So it's a, it's a name that's been And that's working. a
2: nice combination too, because Romando, I mean, that's got some some character to it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's fun to say, <laughs> like. Mondo and Romando, I love both those names, and then Davis is like super plain Jane. <laughs> yeah, <chain. yeah>, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I've I've grown up with that that dynamic my whole life. Yeah, but yeah, you're used to it by sure. now. Romando, i the, the first to notice, yeah. I guess. Which is funny because I to have like a, a, an, an irregular name is not like you don't ever really think about your name. I mean, I never really think about my name, but then when I introduce myself and I have to repeat it or spell it or something, and I'm like, oh yeah, my name is different. But it's not like something that, you know, you encounter, or you think about on your day to day basis.
1: Yeah. It's like uh, my last name is Gwaltney. Yeah. And I don't even bother letting people try to like figure it out. I just immediately start spelling it. <laughs> it's just not even a hesitation yeah. at this point. The
0: GW consonant cluster is yeah. pretty tricky. It trips people up, yeah. man. That's uh, But so back to your question. Um, yeah. So I grew up in St. Louis, a uh, very middle class white family, um, went to private schools and uh, have, you know, always lives. I mean, we, we went to church a lot. Um, my, my family was part of a Presbyterian church there, um, and just had a pretty, pretty straightforward childhood as far as, um, you know, my story goes as far. Yeah. Like Midwestern white people (laughs) (laughs) lives. Um, Yeah. But yeah, if I, so I, I, after high school, I, I, went, I joined the Navy, I actually spent six years in the Navy as a, as an Arabic. So my question
2: though, I guess is, if we can back up a little oh, bit, so because we, I feel like I didn't, I didn't get the clarity I needed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, how did you, if you grew up in a middle-class white family in St. Louis, how did you get the name Romando?
0: Right so uh has been it, it's it's a name that's been in my family for, for many many years um so yeah the story is that this might not be interesting but uh I had an try me <laughs> <laughs> I had an ancestor um a great 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 something grandfather who named his son Ramondo after the son of a friend of his and then that name just stuck, um, was passed down throughout the generations. So yeah. I there's no like ethnic background to the to the name. It was just a name that someone along the line thought was interesting. And uh, seven Ramondo is later, here I am. So <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah. Is it like? Does that feel cool? Does there feel like oh, there's some weight to this, or like there's some like history to this for you, or just kind of like man, eh, it's whatever. It's just my name. Yeah. No. I I. I
0: appreciate that, like the history um, of, of my name. Like it, it does, it's something I'm proud of, like to come from a line, which isn't really something that, you know, most people think about, I guess. Right, yeah. But, it's not as much yeah, of a thing. Yeah, anymore. but, you know, I carry, like I, I carry the name of, of men in my in my family that um, went through some difficult things and were like, you know, founders of different towns and had some cool stuff that I, you know, I just kind of like carry that name around with me, which is, which I think is something I'm I'm proud of. Um, yeah, I like having that. Is there a Ramondo the eighth? Uh, well, so not yet. If my wife and I, we, we laugh about it a a lot. I, I I do have a daughter, um, who is not named Ramondo, but, um, (laughs) My intention is to is to pass the name on. You could have broken the cycle in
1: a really progressive way, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah,
0: I, I may have. We ended up naming her after my great grandmother. So the cycle, a, a different cycle. But mm. um, yeah, I, if, if we do end up having a son in the future, I, I want to pass the name on. And um, my wife's always oh, okay. kind of joking about it not being the prettiest name in the world. But
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, she's basically saying she doesn't like your name. Yeah,
1: well, you know, yeah. it's, she likes you as a person, right, probably right, well enough. Right. But. Your name sucks. It's all in good fun. I think we'll probably end up naming
0: a son Ramondo, and then giving him a middle name that my wife is more more into. Yeah, if it comes down to it.
1: Mondo's cool though, man. Like even if he didn't like, you know, your son didn't like Ramondo, like Mondo just sounds like a I cool, think cool dude. Too. That just sounds like a chill dude. Yeah. Try to be. Maybe that's shaped my yeah.
0: shaped my <laughs> worldview a little bit. Being named Mondo, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've always. And yeah, we've always well, I think it would. Uh, all of the Ramondos have had a different nickname, so I'm actually probably the only one that's ever gone by Mondo. So we'll see.
2: <laughs> so you, so you grew up in the Midwest, Presbyterian upbringing. Um, were you? uh What like is so? Is that that's still where you are? Like you, you still go to church and stuff like where are you at now in terms of what you believe and stuff like that
0: we yeah so we've my wife and i've both kind of gone through a process of um uh let's see we've gone through a process of of sort of breaking down um the you know religious background that we came from and some of the dogma uh-huh. and structure where'd she come from so she's from a non-denominational tradition um, okay it's very evangelical as well um i i consider myself a christian um but I am, am been very uh, intentional about defining that um, mm-hmm. in terms that maybe don't line up with the way I was raised. <laughs> sure. Um, so we, cr- like what's an example. I mean, cause I think we
2: like everybody today feel, I think like it's hard not to feel that in this era of 2021 mm-hmm. where we just went through like, you know, the Trump presidency and things like that, that sort of, um, yeah, I don't know. There was a lot of bad press, For Christians, over the last several years, I think yeah, for sure. Um, so I think I think I think a lot of our listeners will identify with that few thousand years. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, that's fair. But it just feels more. I guess it feels more. um, What's the word like unavoidable Mm -hmm. lately, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to whatever degree? Although I think maybe that's always been the case. But yeah, I don't know. What's an example of something you've had? You feel like where you want to give more definition to what you mean when you say I'm a Christian.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a big part of the process for myself and probably for a lot of other people is just um, delineating between what uh, we can accept is, is true and is in line with, um, you know, what, how the world works and, and what the world is. And differentiating between that and this is what the church believes and this is what the church told us is true And this. And cause what yeah. the church told us is true, told me is what's true as a, as a kid was so steeped in culture and kind of social movement um, and a long history of power dynamics and all sorts of stuff that, that where, you know, this kind of dogma has has developed that um, isn't necessarily mm-hmm. in keeping with what Jesus represented. You know, if, if we're talking in those terms mm-hmm. or what I think like, is actually really true um as far Mm. as the way the world is and um i and i think growing up it's just like you don't really question that stuff a whole lot um but for me one big thing was looking at actually looking at the because we were moving out of our neighborhood and thinking about going to a new church and so for the first time i really started looking at like what this church that i've always kind of been a part of believes and is that something i believe um and yeah. the first thing that came up was, was the issue of predestination um, and, f- and free will and that sort of thing. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
0: And when you hold a microscope. Up and where that,
1: Presbyterians <laughs> just, I don't really know, and probably listeners don't know, like Presbyterians, where do they fall on that? Like what's their kind of doctrine? Yeah,
0: so they're pretty staunch Calvinists. Uh, so very, very mm-hmm. pro predestination. Um, and Those are the frozen chosen people? Frozen chosen. Yep, that was us.
2: Well, yeah. I think it's probably important to mention that there are diverse of course. the the Presbyterian church is more diverse today than maybe it was of pr- uh, previous years of course yeah and there's different different stripes and stuff but there certainly is a part of it that um would believe in what what you yeah. would call like um unconditional
0: election right. that and that's that's the tradition i came uh, from was was a very hardcore calvinist like yeah. the the two of mm-hmm. calvinists um which is an mm-hmm. acronym and I don't remember what they all are, but one of them is unconditional election. <laughs> I could tell you. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would
2: bore our listeners, yeah. but I know them. So I've been to seminary. You learn these things. That's what they teach you. you yeah, all the, the important stuff. Yeah. Uh, there you
0: go. Yeah. But yeah. So, yeah. so looking at that, um, some of those things a little clo- more closely and realizing like, oh yeah, I don't, like, I don't really believe any of this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, Mm. And you were 20. how old at this time?
0: This was uh actually it was 2016. Yeah, it was the year of the election. So
1: okay. I don't know how old I was. But Purely coincidence. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't that long ago. And you're how old now?
0: Uh I'm 35. I actually turned 36 in three days. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. You. Uh, I mean I my my kind of process of, of deconstructing what I grew up being taught started um along. A lot longer ago than that, Um, Mm -hmm. but I was kind of just sort of living like, you know, I'm like not really comfortable with some of the things that this church believes, but like I'm engaged in this community and I respect the people that are leading it and, you know, I want Mm -hmm. these things for myself. So I just kind of didn't really um, pay those things too much mind. But then it was, yeah, at this point, kind of that whole fallout from the Trump election and and moving and trying to think about where we're going to go as far as church uh, that I really mm. took some, took some bigger steps towards like, yeah, just like carving out for myself, uh, an understanding of what I believed was true and, um, how I wanted to raise my daughter and treat and regard the
1: world around me. So, yeah. What was it like, um, with your parents? Like, I'm assuming your parents are still kind of at that church or in that same sort of tradition. Like, has there been tension there like in some of the things or do you guys talk about that kind of stuff uh
0: well so we're pretty pretty standard healthy midwestern family where we don't really talk about things we disagree about too much so, uh there hasn't been a lot of tension i mean i don't we don't live in the same town anymore um so our mm. our interactions are, are they still in st louis yeah they are okay um so our interactions are always you know we don't we don't really get into big disagreements um I mean, we talked about stuff and a lot of it comes out through like discussions about what's going on in the, in the political world. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't feel a lot of tension with my parents over that stuff. Uh, I don't know that I'm, yeah, but there's certainly could be probably if we had more, more detailed conversations. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you really opened up. Yeah. That's like funny. You, you said those. that about
1: like a good Midwestern family. Cause that's, that's exactly my family. Yeah. I'm from Indiana. Mm-hmm. We say we're the Midwest. I don't know why. Like it's not technically the Midwest of the country, but that's what we say. And it's the same thing. Like you just don't talk about that stuff. Yeah.
0: Which is, you know, kind of tough. Um, like I'd like to have more detailed in depth, open conversations about stuff that matters like that. Um, but there is just this weird cultural kind of barrier. You say that, but then if you had those
2: conversations, (laughs) (laughs) that might be really awkward. No, I don't, I go back and forth on it cuz uh you know I definitely uh have extended family and things like that that um we've gotten into it before about things like that and um yeah it's uh I yeah sometimes I'm like we need to just go back to not talking about things <laughs> <laughs> that's fair <laughs> but uh but yeah I you know of course you want to be able to have environments where you can talk about important things like that with with a level of like respect and mutual understanding and uh willingness to agree and disagree mm. um i find just in general like in life these days i'm like man i feel like people like that who i can just be myself and say what i really think about something is those are like special people and <laughs> know those those are like Really special friends to me. Yeah, well, I don't uh, think these days, and they're, it's kind of rare.
0: I feel like. Yeah, I don't think the. I don't think there's much of an environment of that. Like I don't think that we, as society, can like we're we're getting farther and farther away from you know mm-hmm. healthy dialogue around things that are important to us that we disagree on, and it's it's pretty tough. I, yep. I agree totally. So yeah, maybe it's for the best. <laughs> yeah, maybe so.
3: This week in Nerd History, a tall, cool glass of Martian water. Nerd History! That's essentially what the Mars Phoenix Lander was sent to find when NASA launched it on August 4th, 2007. Phoenix was the sixth successful landing on Mars, but the first spacecraft to land on the Martian Arctic surface. Its mission was to dig for ice and assess if the Martian Arctic ever had conditions that could support life. In July of the next year, NASA announced that Phoenix confirmed the presence of water ice on Mars as predicted in 2002 by the Mars Odyssey orbiter. During the initial heating cycle of a new sample, Tega's mass spectrometer detected water vapor when the sample temperature reached zero degrees Celsius. Water ice simply means that it contains the same elements as the water we have on Earth, and is not another form of ice, such as dry ice, the solid form of carbon dioxide. Many wonder why the discovery of water ice even matters. Well, it's about finding the organic materials and the building blocks for life. With this type of information, we can learn more about the history of Mars and how it became a desert wasteland. Phoenix ended up exceeding its intended 90-day mission, studying the planet for a total of five months. In 2010, NASA lost contact with the lander completely, but the data it collected continued to be studied for many years after. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more Nerd History. So,
2: History. Uh, so you're married and you have a child. Uh, how long have you been
0: married? We've been married for eight and a half years. Well, eight years. Eight years. We got married on on May 4th, Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with me. Hey, <laughs> let's go. Now you have
1: to make a Star Wars game. Well, maybe someday.
2: Was that intentional? Would you like propose to her, and it was like inside a Lego version of the Millennium Falcon right, or yeah, something? I was wearing a
0: Han Solo costume. <laughs> no, no.
2: But and you're like, don't don't ask questions, but just put your hair in those yeah. like. <laughs> Brady bun things <laughs> that Princess Leia had. No. Yeah, it,
0: it was, it was coincidental, <laughs> but, but
2: the technical we, term. Brady Brady, Brady buns. buns. Yeah. I think that's the right one. Yeah. When we,
0: uh, yeah. when we figured out that it was star Wars day, after we set the date, peach actually made my wife made, um, wedding announcements where she photoshopped us on to Han Solo and, and Princess Leia. So oh, we, we kind of <laughs> leaned into it, but it was accidental. Right, yeah. <laughs> so.
2: It said, I love you. And then it says, I know. I know.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, and your daughter, I think you told us earlier, your daughter's three. Correct. What's her name? Yeah, she's three. What's her name? What's her name? Valley. Yeah. Valley.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's pretty. I like that. I like that. Thanks. Yeah, we, uh, what, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to ask
2: you how, like, those, like, how has marriage shaped you as a person? Uh, marriage and being a dad, maybe start with marriage.
0: So marriage has been really great. I, um, My wife and I are super compatible. We, we were really fortunate to find each other because we just the, kind of the way we see the world and the way we process and the way we communicate um, has just always been, been pretty fluid, which which we're very aware of and we like, you know, talk about yeah. that um, and it's, it's, we're grateful for that. I mean, it's obviously not perfect and there's plenty of challenges, but um, I think I, as being married, the biggest thing has just been learning uh, you know, kind of deconstructing that idea that I'm I'm the center of the universe. <laughs> i having to mm. constantly, you know, be be aware of another person's preferences and feelings, and um, that's kind of been the biggest change for me. I feel like I was always I was always very uh, self self focused. Um, so marriage has been good for that. Parenting, on the other hand, that's been a lot <laughs> less less fluid. Uh it's been tough man it's uh, parenting is really hard it's really hard i have no idea <laughs> what's
2: what's the hard part for you and there's lots of hard of parts course, i feel yeah. like
0: uh, well initially we my my daughter was not much of a sleeper she didn't she was a very bad sleeper mm. as a baby mm. um, and i think we kind of i just developed a lot of trauma around that like i have this <laughs> yeah, I have these these uncontrollable mm-hmm. um, trauma responses almost when I'm woken up in the middle of the night or something that have shaped like mm-hmm. the way I I don't know it's just it's just been really hard to like that 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 especially it's been really hard sleep and, and being tired.
1: Were you uh, like a good sleeper before having her? Oh yeah, that's I've always said that's one of
0: my superpowers is that I can fall asleep anywhere at any time.
1: And that's my way. Yeah. yeah, same
0: dude. I've slept yep. I've slept in some pretty let's well let's see i've slept like on concrete parking lot on the ground and on top of mountains and all just just about anywhere <laughs> so yeah that's been a, that's been hard to adjust to i think is is not having access to good restful sleep all the time mm. Mm. yeah but yeah i don't know it's like you, you're just you're just shaping this new human and like trying to instill like it's scary yeah like trying to figure out what you believe about the world and then imparting that to another kid or to another person is, mm-hmm. it's that's just like a totally blank slate has been like it's been an adventure for sure
2: yeah for sure. and then you spend all that time like trying to like hoping and praying that they will be a decent <laughs> human being you know yeah, totally. <laughs> and then you sort of at a lot there's so many junctures it's not I'm I'm just i I'm slightly wiser than you I have to admit this because <laughs> I'm just further down the road uh my kids are older no I'm kidding I'm truly figured out as well uh,
0: I have a lot to learn so
2: no not not at all I'm joking but you there, there's these moments I think you may have already experienced some of this but I, I certainly with my 10 year old that I'm sort of like realizing that all the ways many of the ways we've invested and tried to really like instill, like good values in my daughter and then at the end of the day it's like you can't do anything she's her own she's her own person Mm. like she's gonna be (laughs) you know what i mean like she's gonna be who she's gonna be and uh she can uh, still be a
1: dirt bag if she wants (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: yeah i think that's like the hardest part is realizing uh you have to let them be their own person Mm. you know
1: um Yeah, you you have so many, uh, I know. (laughs) I've probably, I think I've probably ranted about this before on the show when we've talked about parenting stuff, but like, it's still something that sticks with me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm 35 as well and getting, we're getting to that age, right? Where we're kind of like bordering on our midlife crisis Mm -hmm. and we're reflecting on all things about our life and where we're at at this point. if. We're good people, yada, yada. And a lot of that's also like parenting stuff, daddy issues. Also, do you ever hear about people with mommy issues? I feel like we only ever hear about people with daddy issues. Uh Anyway, that also freaks me out because you hear about so many people with daddy issues. And what am I ever going to be but a dad? Mm. So like you're telling me the the rate of failure is even higher for (laughs) me. Um, But I just think of like all the influential stuff that happened for me Mm -hmm. from my Mm -hmm. parents and how much that shaped me and the things that I still do to this day, 35 years old. That scares the crap out of me Mm -hmm. with like thinking Mm -hmm. about being a parent and how much of an effect that has um, in such formative years for kids, you know? So don't screw it up, Mondo. Thanks. I mean, I I do
0: feel, you know, reflecting on like, on that, and on you know the way our parents raised us, or my parents raised me, and the way their parents raised them. Like I feel like as society, we're progressing so much towards um, you know emotional intelligence and sensitivity. Mm. Um, like the way that I'm approaching parenting is completely different than the way my parents did, just based on you know research and understanding that we have as society that they didn't have or that wasn't you know popular mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's been encouraging to me because I'm like, okay, I'm even <laughs> the way that our generation was screwed up and my parents did a great job. I mean, I, you know, I'm not, I don't mean to say that they didn't, but, um, the way that our generations are screwed up, like my daughter's generation are not going to be screwed. They're not going to be screwed up in the same way. Um, because we're <laughs> yeah, not,
2: they'll be screwed up for sure, other reasons. Yeah. social yeah. media. Right. And- <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> right. yeah. But we're, we're parenting with an understanding and a knowledge of, mm. you know, where our parents' generation either failed or things that they missed or whatever. So, I'm always encouraged by that thought yep. too. Like, you yep. know, like even...
2: Yeah, I'm reading this book right now called, uh, it's called The Book You Wish Your Parents Had Read. <laughs> uh, I, I actually highly recommend it, but it will uh, it will unpack like trauma that you didn't know that you had with your own parents. Mm. And I say that as someone who like, I'm pretty happy with the way my parents raised me. I don't, I don't have, I don't feel like, I feel like they did a good job. So mom, dad, if you listening to this, you did, you did good. Uh, but still it's like, yeah, it's just, it definitely has illuminated a lot of things that I'm mm. like, that I want to do differently than my parents mm-hmm. did. Not because they failed or something, but I think they were working with the tools and their understanding that they had the James Dobson um, the tool set. <laughs> yeah yeah or, uh dr spock like that Don't was watch your mouth um, dr spock was hugely influential to my parents um dr. and spock.
1: uh what yeah. were we watching um oh the marvelous mrs mazel if you guys have watched that on amazon oh yeah mm-hmm. and they they talked about that dr spock book in that show and that show's set in like the the 50s or something anyway yeah my dad will
2: uh, still bring it up like we'll we'll be having like some kind of we'll be all hanging out together. There's some sort of like discipline issue that comes up with my kids. My dad's like, well, and Dr.
3: Spock's.
2: (laughs) 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 And uh, and it's funny because like, um, I've been trying to really be more intentional about learning. Part of it's I'm writing a book about parenting, Mm -hmm. but I've been trying to be more intentional lately about educating myself about like parenting and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but my wife has always been that way. Like she's super dialed in to, Um, child development she reads she listens to podcasts like she's really into it Uh, and part of that's that we homeschool so like she wants to do that well you know Mm -hmm. like she wants to be a really good homeschool mom um and uh because she she does you know i work full-time so she she handles most of the homeschooling um but you know it's just funny that like my dad will bring that stuff up and i'm going like dad like She's reading lots of. Yeah. she's
0: Trust trust yeah. me. She's
2: already like dialed in. <laughs>
0: we actually actually had a conversation similar conversation with my dad where I'm not sure what we were talking about. I don't think we were talking about about my my daughter, but um, you know, he was saying something like, "Well, you know, the way my dad did it was you, you know, there was just authority, and you you did what yeah. he said." And and my my response was like, "Yeah, but like, what kind of emotional connection did you have with your dad? Like, how is mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. different than you know what?" the way you treated me or the way I'm treating my daughter. Um, And like, what, what's like, what's a better way to do it. Right. Like you just like making kids do what you say and then like, you know, punishing them if they don't until they learn Mm -hmm. to do what you say. And but like, (laughs) I will say like, to be honest
2: uh, and to try to be vulnerable is like, I fight that temptation a lot because because that was the era. I think probably all of us, the three of us. That's the era we were brought mm-hmm. up in. Of like, that's how parents yep. did parenting. Yeah, it's sure. Like, I told you to do that, and you didn't. So now you face the consequences. And which is um, and so you don't wise. ever disrespect yeah, me. Violence, right? you know. Um. <laughs> yeah. You don't. You don't <laughs> yeah. ever disrespect what I say. And so, like. Yeah. Like, yeah. I ha- I have that. I have to fight mm-hmm. it constantly. Yeah. I will say that. Of like, because I want to go to that. When my when my daughter says something back to me about something that I asked her to do, I immediately want to go to like, that was disrespectful. You disrespected me. Um, and, and I have to like, I have to make a really conscious effort to like, you know, understand her feelings and where she's coming from and, you know, treat, treat her as a whole person. Um, it's, it's hard. No, it's true. It's
0: true. <laughs> it's yeah, we got that, like...
2: Because we all want to, like, default to to the way, I think, the way our parents did things. Which wasn't, like... And I think, too, with that kind of stuff, like, it wasn't completely wrong. You know, their approach wasn't... Uh, I think... I don't know. I have more impacting to do there. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, definitely there's a lot of things about the way people parented back then that were... were There's, you know, things
0: to learn from it. And mm-hmm. there's value there. Sure, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, but I am encouraged with that, with that, with the progress there of like, I'm being emotionally sensitive to my daughter in a way that, you know, Hmm. my parents may not have been with me or, or because they didn't know any better because that wasn't the way, the way they did it. So I feel like, I feel like we're headed in a better direction generally as parents.
2: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Our goal is not to fix our children because they're not broken, you Hmm. know? My goal is to build a lifelong relationship with them for as much time as as much time as we get with them. I think that's. I want that to be my goal anyway. Mm-hmm. I try to keep that. I'm trying to develop the mentality of keeping that at the forefront.
1: But, yeah. yeah, I'm curious. Um, this is a question for both of you, really, but I more so want to hear from Mondo because I hear from Drew all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. There. You know, thinking like if we go back to this sort of Christian lens, Christian upbringing, raising, which I know like both of you were, um, there certainly was and I think definitely still is this whole, um, I forget which verse it is in the Bible, you know, train up your children in the way that they'll go, yada, yada, yada. But really this idea in Christian culture of like, make sure you set your kids on the right path, the right Christian path. Um, and they'll never stray from it, kind of idea. I'm curious for the two of you, um, what that looks like for your kids. If you still subscribe to that, if not, why? Um, how you know? How do you kind of navigate that thing? Because obviously, like your faith, your Christian faith is presumably pretty important to you. Your kids are pretty important to you. Um, but I know both of you. I know for Drew and Mondo, it sounds like for you, it that faith that was instilled in you as a child had to be deconstructed at a point. And so is that just the way it needs to be or is there a different way? I'm done prefacing. Now you can just answer the question.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, and I think for me, the, the kind of process of re-examining um, those sort of tenants that I was raised with has been to strip away the kind of the junk that's been built up around a verse like that. Like, you know, if if my goal is to keep a kid in church, or my goal is to keep a kid Presbyterian, or my goal is to, you know, keep a kid, like, believing what I believe, um, that doesn't seem genuine, and it doesn't seem fair, and it doesn't seem like I'm inviting that my child to be themselves, right? Like, I'm, I'm trying to get mm. them to be myself. I'm trying to get them to be what I think is right in the way I see the world, and see the world the same way I do. Um, and I think that there's room for, you know, to take a verse like that and interpret it in a much healthier way and to understand it in a much healthier mm-hmm. way. And I haven't like, I don't have a specific answer for that verse in particular, but that process is something that I apply um, to my understanding and to my approach to parenting and everything else is like, okay, like, what is best for my daughter? Like, what do I want my daughter to mm-hmm. be? What do I want to see her accomplish it? Like not even like, tangible things, but like, what kind of person do I want to raise her to, to be? Um, and then like, that's what I want to work towards. Like I want to get her to be herself and to have the impact on the world that she is going to have, that's unique to her. Um, mm-hmm. and I want her to have, uh, you know, a, a certain moral st- structure and and like, I want her to work, to ease the suffering of the people around her, um, and I think that that's the message of Jesus. And I think that's faith. My faith is like, Mm -hmm. like we're here to, to, to have a positive impact um, on the suffering that we see and encounter both in ourselves and in the people that we're Mm -hmm. around. And that's what I want her to see. That's how I want her to see the world too. Right. So like, that's Mm kind of my goal is not like, let's get her to be a Christian or let's get her to, to, to believe whatever, but like, let's foster a, a person and a character that, um, cares about important things and does good um, in the capacity mm-hmm. to the degree that she is, you know, capable of and, and desires for herself. So,
1: yeah. What a terrible goal. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> that was the that's wrong answer. Nah. I'm sorry. Try again.
0: <laughs> but I, I do. I mean, it's, that it's frustrating awesome, yeah. to see, to see parents, especially parents of adults who see their kids and you know, it's people that I'm close to this is true, um, they see their kids and their parenting, they see their parenting as, as having been a failure because their kid left the church, right? Or because their kid mm-hmm. doesn't, is, mm-hmm. you know, is now an atheist or agnostic or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but that kid, that that child that you raised turned into a wonderful person who is doing like beautiful things and cares passionately about important stuff. And yeah. just because they're not, you know, ascribed to the same dogma that you want them to be or that you are, doesn't mean that like, your parenting failed or that they're a bad person or whatever you know but mm-hmm. I, i've seen that it's really frustrating because it's like totally just oh, yeah, you know, for sure missing the point i think yeah
2: one thing that i'm really thankful for about my parents is that i have a really clear sense in my relation with them that i mean i could and we didn't i didn't grow up in like a I grew up in a Christian home, but I didn't necessarily grow up in like a strong evangelical home. If that, if the, if that distinction makes, makes Mm -hmm. sense to you. Um, and I don't know if those, these two things that I'm about to say are related, but I just, I, I can't imagine a world in which my parents don't want a relationship with me Mm -hmm. and aren't like really committed to making sure we're close. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've always had that sense that like my parents, uh, want to be around me. They, they, they're, I, you know, if I were to be like, hey, I'm, I'm an atheist now, they would, st- that like wouldn't phase them on that front. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something I'm like super committed to with my kids. I really want them to believe in Jesus. Um, and, and, and as much or more, I really want them to follow Jesus, you know, like live in step with the values and the way of, of life Jesus embodies in the gospels. Like I, I really want that for them. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, my my ultimate goal is a parent like i said earlier i think i'm tr- i'm trying <laughs> to keep at the center that my <laughs> ultimate goal is to love them and 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 build a lifelong relationship with them um and that's really like that's the only way to point him to jesus anyway i mean you can you can get real mad all you want about like if they're not jumping through the right hoops that you want them to as a a christian or whatever um but that's not gonna that's not going to help, uh, you know. It's not going to help you develop that relationship or or make them want to follow Jesus. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. You've got to you got to let go a lot of a lot. That's
1: just gotta. I say go that as somebody pretty Drew, let go and let God. You guys can put that <laughs> yeah. on a bumper sticker if you want. It's very original. Yeah, it's gonna
0: blow up. Yeah, no, but it's true. And, and like, what's the point? Like, it, is your goal to create another churchgoer? You know, like, is your goal to like. Mm-hmm. You know get get your kid to be a pastor's go to seminary or something like is that the goal or is the goal to like have a, a healthy happy person that is you know having a positive mm-hmm. impact on the on the world around them i feel like it's, it's yeah. pretty nearsighted to be like i'm gonna raise my kids mm-hmm. i'm gonna make my kid go to church and i'm gonna make my kid go to youth group <laughs> and i'm gonna make my kid go to christian college or whatever and if not then then i'm doing something wrong well, yep. if you really want Speaking to get, you know, oh,
1: I hear yours, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you really want to get like I don't know, theological or real Christian y about it, like if we are to be image bearers, you know, Mondo, you kind of said something earlier, like I'm not trying to make you don't think you said it this way exactly, but in your daughter, you're not trying to make another Mondo, mm. you know? Um and I think if we think about image bearing and how we're supposed to bear the image of, of Jesus, like you you're not trying we don't need another drew i'll tell you that right now we don't <laughs> oh, need another gosh, chris Yeah, for real you know we probably don't need another mondo um but we do need more uniquely wonderful people mm-hmm. uh, that we don't even know yet that we don't even know what they have to bring to the world and we would never know what they'd have to bring to the world if we just tried to make them an image bearer of us you know instead of the creator of all things yeah um or like that that's what i hear or you guys uh like yeah like just
0: it's that word an archetype right like mm-hmm. of this christian person this christian man this christian mm-hmm. woman whatever like we don't need that we need like people to be unique and special and and empowered to be mm-hmm. themselves and to and to love well yeah i'm with you i agree yeah because those christian archetypes man they never they never quite pan out the way they're supposed to <laughs> oh
2: sure, sure they don't yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of children, I need to, uh, feed mine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but this has been great Mondo yeah. uh, chatting with you about all things parenting included. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, man, uh, thanks for coming on the show and where should we point people to if they want to kind of follow your work and your games and that kind of stuff.
0: Um, yes. Yeah, so Mondodavis.com I've got registered. Um, if you go there, it's, uh, have have some links to, to social media and stuff. And TikTok. I can't believe I, we didn't talk
1: about TikTok. I've been. I know. Been I was thinking about that. <laughs> I've been doing. A rising TikTok star. I don't, know, I, don't,
0: I don't know about that, but I am doing some fun stuff with uh, board game design on TikTok, which isn't really very well represented. Okay. So if anybody wants to check that out, Games by Mondo is my handle. Um, no spaces or anything. So. But yeah, otherwise, mondodavis.com. The games uh, that are coming out, updates will be coming from publishers. So uh, 25th Century Games. And mansplaining is breaking games. Those are kind of the two that are furthest along. So there you go. Cool. Awesome, man.
2: Well, we're excited about your games. And uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on the show. Of course.
0: Thanks for having me, y'all. Absolutely.